Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, stand with me if you would. Hold your Bibles up. Welcome all of you watching online. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, a little housekeeping here. Uh, it's been great having our kids in here. I'm, I'm turning and I'm looking at kids learning to worship. And uh, that was one of the goals. And watching you worship was another goal. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this longer than I ever thought I would be doing this thing called church and preaching. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you try to please everybody and, you know, you can't even please your kids much less a whole church full of people. But we do have earplugs, just in case any of you, you're very sensitive. It's funny, you can go to a rock and roll concert and be on the front row bleeding ears, but come to church, it's just too loud. Sissy. We have earplugs. They're for the purpose of plugging your ears. So if it gets too loud for you, uh, please utilize those and don't get mad. Just stay. It's only going to be a short time, and then we get to hear pastor. It's working. All right. We've been doing this series entitled, Please Do Not Disturb. And uh, in a world that almost every day all you have to do is turn on any news network and it's disturbing. So the goal is to not give in to the fear, the disturbances that uh, news networks are creating in our world and all of that. So we have these door hangers that you can hang on your doors to remind you when you're getting disturbed to not get disturbed. You might want to put one on top of your TV or hook it to the bottom of your flat screen. Uh, might help. Anyway, you can take those home, give them out to somebody if you want. Tell them it's going to be all right. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I've tried to think about all the things that disturb us spiritually primarily. And uh, for those of us who might have been raised in a very strict denominational church, which I'm not knocking denominations, but I'm simply saying that there's a broad stroke across any denomination or organization that says these are the rules by which we're going to play church or do church. And, I, I, you know, that's not all bad sometimes until that rule uh, becomes uh, your goal. And the reason it becomes your goal is if you play by that rule, then you're, you're going to make God happy. And uh, I, I don't really think that oftentimes that, I, that we really think about that thought of making God happy. It's like, you know, what I do or don't do is going to let God down, you know. And so it, in our lives, we oftentimes want to do things. And, you know, I love, I love obeying God. I love the feeling of obeying God. But I don't get to go to heaven because I have a perfectly obedient life. I get to go to heaven because I have a perfectly obedient Savior who died in my place and gave me the opportunity to receive him. 
And again, I, I believe that we ought to uh, do everything we can to obey him, but not for the sake of making him happy, but for the sake of our being able to walk in his presence and receive his blessing. And that really is, is the primary target or goal here. And so uh, receiving, this, I want you to get this word receive, because everything that we have from God is a gift from him. In other words, he, he brings it to us. And now, a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve mercy. And I've been so bad, and I'm consistently bad, and I'm, I'm an addict, and I'm doing all these things. And, and, and you know, but, but here's the deal. If you are an addict or you, you do consistently do bad things, what you have to really realize is that the person who's a lot better than you in your eyes gets to heaven the same way you do. By grace, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast that it's a gift from God. And the hard thing is, is receiving a gift from someone that you don't feel like you deserve it. Um, and, you know, I used to have a really hard time receiving because I grew up in a very blue-collar home, blue-collar culture, which I'm very thankful for. I learned how to work. I learned how to respect uh, I learned how to drink out of garden hoses and swim in creeks, and I'm still alive. I'm thankful for that. But with that said, we were very self-sufficient. I was taught to be very self-sufficient. I was not taught to receive. I was taught to work, and that's a good thing. But what I didn't realize was the reason I had a problem receiving was because I had pride, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it was very hard for me when God began to bring people into my life that wanted to bless me. And I, in 1990, I was training to run across America or end up halfway across America from Tulsa to Washington, D.C. for the unborn. And uh, to raise awareness, to speak life and blessing over those who had gone through very traumatic uh, uh, abortion experiences, uh, things that we're not supposed to talk about in church, but I'm talking about it because I can. And, uh, and so my job wasn't to judge. It was to heal and bring healing to people who had gone through that process. And I wasn't fighting against the government. I was fighting for those who had been lied to by the government. And, uh, and so I know that this will be a debate at the lunch table today, but I'm going to let it be a debate, and so I was giving my life for this, this cause to raise awareness. I made it in, in 98 days from Tulsa running to Washington, D.C., met with then-president's uh, representatives there, and in the process, we were raising funds, and Steve Largent, uh, then Seattle Seahawks, retired receiver, was on our team and, and contributed greatly. A guy named Jack Ingram, who owned an oil company in Tulsa, contributed to that. At the end of the run, uh, we had some money left, and they met with me. The board did, and I said, they said, what do we do? And I said, give it all away. And they said, how are you going to live? I said, I didn't run across America for any other reason than this. I want you to give it to people that are going to need it, these women. And, I, and in that moment, what I really, it was a good thought, but what I didn't know how to do was was received and so a guy in the church that I was attending at the time uh, 
found out, and, and I didn't know him, but I got a call from the pastor one day and says, this guy works for another big oil company in Tulsa, and he would like to give you some clothes. Well, my first thought was, well, what's wrong with what I got on? You know, it's like when somebody comes up to you and says, you look good today. Well, what did I look like yesterday? You know, it, it, I mean, it's intimidating, right? You, you kind of go, well, you know, I, I didn't know that I needed clothes. I thought I was doing okay, but the reality was I did. You know, I was just bone cold. I was broke. I gave everything away, and, and I, was, I was getting back on the preaching circuit again. And, and so after 98 days of running every day across America and putting in 3,000 miles in a year, uh, I, I was pretty messed up. And so I, I thought, well, no, I don't need them. I don't need them. You know, I, I felt embarrassed. I, it, was, it was pride. This guy really, all he wanted to do was bless me. And, and so I, I said, okay. And then once I got the first bag of clothes, I wanted to say, do you have more? I mean, this guy's buying clothes that I couldn't afford to buy. And, um, and so I, that was the beginning of me learning how to receive. And then another very dear friend of mine, and I'll cut the story short. Some of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. But then, and then he, he, he gave me a, a, a beautiful car. I mean, brand new. And, 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 and I felt guilty. I, by this time, I'm pastoring, and I, I thought, what are the people going to think? You know, I mean, I started getting weirded out that somebody blessed me, and I was going to have to explain it. And one night in my sleep, I, I hear God. I, it was, he said, you care more about what people think than what I think. And that was the end of it for me. He's saying, you have to learn how to receive. Now, the reason this is important in every area is some people still don't know how to receive salvation. You, you say, there's no way I can be saved. I, I'm too bad. I've done too much. I still do too much. And, and, and you have a hard time because you can't receive the gift. It is a gift of salvation. And, and I had a hard time with it. When I, when I got saved, I got baptized twice because I just wanted to make sure. You know, I'm thinking if, if one washed me clean, maybe two will even help more. I mean, I, I was so set because I, I, I knew when I got born again, I, I, I couldn't get rid of all the habits I had, and I, I wanted to, and I was trying to. And, and, and I would, I, every Sunday I would pray this out, sinner's prayer because I, I thought, you know, I, I, I just want to be sure I'm saved. I didn't know how to receive the gift of salvation. And, and I felt like I needed to contribute to what Jesus had done. Listen, if you think you can contribute, you are deceived. None of us can. All I can do is receive the, 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 what God has extended to me, the forgiveness that comes through Christ. And, and I want to get this in you because so many people are still afraid. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you can't be barely saved. You are saved or you're not saved. Now, I know there are some people act like they're barely saved, but they're just as saved as the person who is just ridiculously saved radically saved we're saved or we're not saved and you're not saved because you're good some of y'all stinkers you're just stinker saved you continue to behave the way you've always behaved and 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 and, and I, I you know and so in a moment I'm going to get to the point here but but I want you to get this because I still there are times in my spiritual journey and walk with God that I find myself struggling and thinking to myself, am I really being my best me? 
And then sometimes if I entertain that thought long enough, I believe it's, it's counterproductive because I'm not here on this stage. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going because I preach. I'm, I get to go because I've received a gift. And, and I've had people that, that I know, and I've, I've talked to them about it. They said, you know, I just, I just can't, I can't, uh, I can't allow, I can't take that. Somebody tried to give them, I can't take that. And, and really what I tell them is, and this, I believe this, is, is this, you're, you're robbing the sower of their blessing. If God told them to give it to you, you're stealing from them. And it'd be like, a, it'd be like a, if you had a, you know, 50 acres and you, and you wanted to go plant uh, apple seed and the land said, don't, don't plant here. If the dirt could talk, don't put it here. And, and, and what we have to understand is when the, the seed and the dirt cooperate, you get a harvest. And when the sower sows it, he's expecting a harvest. And, and that's hard for religious mindsets to embrace is that God is still using people, and he has in my life, and I've been so extremely fortunate and blessed, and, and I've tried to be a blessing. I started giving cars away after I received a car, realizing this is how God works. And so I, I just, I want you to get to, you don't, don't beg. Some of y'all go out here and you'll start begging, like, uh, Joel Osteen's dad, uh, the Osteens have been f- friends for a long, long time. His daddy called, matter of fact, when I started my first church, his daddy called 45 minutes. John Osteen was telling me what to do and how to do it. And he said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I said, please don't shut up. But he was telling me a story. He said that one time a guy came up to him after church in, in, at Lakewood. And he said, Brother Osteen, he said, uh, God told me that you're supposed to give me a car. He played the God card. And Brother Osteen was so smart, so quick, he looked back and he says, I'll tell you what, when God tells me to give you a car, I will. (laughs) Don't be manipulated. This is not about manipulation. This is about not looking to somebody, but looking to God who uses people to gift. But you don't look to it. You don't look for it. You don't ask people for it. You simply... Look to God and say, God, whatever you have, if it's peace, if it's joy, the gift of salvation, the blessing of food, whatever it might be. I remember one time sitting in a, uh, uh, I was at a, a pastor's conference, and, and, and I wasn't really doing very well at that time. I mean, I was doing my best, but I didn't have much money. And so a bunch of pastors went out, and I'll never forget a guy named Tommy who had the camp that we were at and the conference, doing the conference, and he was just such a nice person. But I'll never forget, at the end of the meal, he looked at the waiter. I was sitting close enough to hear him. He said, give me the bill. And in that moment, in that very moment, I said, someday, I'm going to be like Tommy. I'm going to be paying the bill. It wasn't that I'm glad that somebody else is. I said, I want to be like him. I want to be the one that says, I'm going to take care of this for all of you. And it got on me, but I didn't grow up that way. I didn't understand sowing and reaping. And, and so what I realized is, is like I said, grace is, is twofold to me. One, grace covers us when we sin. But number two, grace empowers us to not sin. So grace is so critical, and it's so critical that we receive it 
and understand that we're receiving it as a gift, not because we deserve it, because we have a, but because we have a good God. And so in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 23, receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. Receive and experience. You cannot experience it until you receive it. You can talk about it. You can have conversation about it. But you cannot experience it until you receive it. I can tell someone all day long how wonderful salvation is. How good it feels to not wake up every morning with a weight of sin on my chest. The fear of hell in my mind. I can tell you about it, but until you receive it, you cannot experience it. Now, hopefully... That information will challenge you. I can't fix you. I can't change you. I can't even produce conviction in you. All I can do as a communicator is give you good information that might make you hungry enough to want to experience what I'm talking about. But any change, if somebody comes up to me and said, man, you know, you changed my life. I go, no, no, no. I just informed your life. You changed your life. I didn't. I just gave you the tools and information that you needed for you to make a change in your life. You see, no preacher can change you. Now, I might contribute to your well-being as every day when I listen to sermons from other pastors, they contribute to my well-being. But at the end of the day, nobody gets credit for change except you're receiving what Christ has for you. I love having people in my life that have affected my life and helped me. But the reality is change comes Only when we choose to change. I can't change you. I can't fix you. I can't make you a better person. But I can give you information that you can process and embrace to become the person God wants you to become. And and that's what we have to realize. Receive that. Receive that. And, And it's so important that we put ourselves in that position. Now, Uh, Turn your Bibles, if you would, to James, because there's always this great debate. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Now, remember, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm only saved because grace prefaces the faith that I'm going to put in Jesus Christ. I have the grace to now believe. So religious people will always take you to this verse in James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. So if I don't work, does that mean I'm not saved? Absolutely not. Let me read this to you. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? The operative word there is shown. He was revealed to be. He wasn't made right because of his action. It was revealed that he was right. Because of his faith in God. So now you can say, what about people who have no works? They're not revealing the gift of salvation that was imparted to them. It doesn't mean they're not saved. You see, if we're not careful, we take this scripture, faith without works is dead, and not realizing that it's, I'm, not, I'm saved by grace. That's how come they didn't write a song, Amazing Faith. They wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
It was grace extended, grace that I received, that pushed me toward having faith in God. So I don't want you to think for one minute that you have this overwhelming need to prove to anybody that you're saved. There are going to be people going to heaven that you're going to go, oh, dear God. I'm not trying to cheapen it, but I'm saying some people are so good at receiving, not changing, but receiving. Say, I want to know Jesus. And certainly when Christ comes in us, the hope of glory, things do change. But we don't know the depths of some people's lives and the environment in which they were raised and, and the depths of the things in life that they've experienced. And, and we're measuring them, and yet you had a head start, and they started in the hole. And, and we don't start at the same place, and it may not seem fair, but we all have the same opportunity to receive Christ, the gift of salvation. But I, I think sometimes we go around trying to prove to people we're saved. And, and, and the minute you do that, it will become very obvious that you don't have the proof. All you have to do is get behind the wheel of a car in Oklahoma. I would love it if I could be perfect. I would love it. But then if I was perfect, I'd probably be prideful. Look at me. You see, I love the fact that, that God allows us <laughs> to... Uh, to be human, because it would be great if you got saved and all of a sudden you became very robotic, like now you do everything right. That, that would be awesome, I, I think, but I'm not sure because nobody's ever shown me that. So we can only assume that it would be wonderful if we never made a mistake. But when I make a mistake, guess what it reminds me of? It reminds me of who God is. It takes me right back to God. Every mistake takes me back to God. I don't like mistakes, but every time I make one, I don't think, oh, I'm so dumb. I think he's so awesome. He knew that I was going to honk before I honked. I don't wave anymore, but with a full hand. I'm beyond that now. I've achieved that part. But my palm still finds a place on the steering wheel. I don't wave anymore. And some of you ever did that? <laughs> yes. It was a long time ago. In my eyes. <laughs> I don't ever want it to come off as cheap, but I want to bring hope to those of you that don't even think you're saved. You, 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 you know, you, every, I, I used to go to the altar every Sunday of my denominational church and cry. Because I knew from Sunday to Sunday I was going to, I needed. And, and finally one day I woke up and they, and they thought that was really cool that, you know, you're up there wailing and repenting. I'm thinking, hold it. Not one of my kids ever acted that way in front of me. And I'm not nearly God. They never came, Dad, I'm so sorry. I mean, every week. No, they were looking and say, hey, why didn't you buy the Oreos this week? The pantry doesn't have any what we want in it. I mean, they really acted like they should have that. How I many you know kids will receive anything? 
I mean, you, you, I mean they, they have no problem because they don't know any different. But then we get older, we get prideful, and we no longer are willing to receive. We're afraid of what that makes us look like. Well, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like you're smart. <laughs> it goes on to say, Rahab, the prostitute. Now, how would you like to be Rahab? Couldn't God just said Rahab? <laughs> For some reason, God wanted to let us know she was hooking and looking. I'm just bringing it home. Rahab, I don't want God to say, Mark the alcoholic, Mark the drug addict. It's like, God, really? But God, I think, did this to let us know, if you think you're extreme, this lady was a pro. That means she was making a living. Otherwise, there would have been another word in there. Several other words. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. In other words, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. She wasn't made right by her actions. She was shown to be right by her actions. She was right before it was shown, but showing made it obvious that she was the righteousness of God. So if you're afraid of salvation, that's a gift. What you show other people when you act like God is that you are saved. And you're not going to do that all the time. Trust me, there are going to be times you walk away angry, having dealt with somebody, and, and, and they go, they're not even saved. Have you ever done that before? Somebody, they, they can't be saved. They were stupid. And you didn't go to the bathroom and look in the mirror before you made that statement. Because just because they're having a bad day and they're not acting saved doesn't mean they're not saved, but their actions are not revealing their salvation or their righteousness. So why is it important that we act right so we go to heaven? No, it's important that we act right so we can introduce other people to heaven. I mean, it's not like God's going to put you in, like, heavenly subsidized housing. You know, they weren't good enough. Let's move them to the, you know, let's put them in the inner city. You know, because they don't, they, this is the best they're going to get, you know. No, that's not, when we get to heaven, it's going to be, like, incredible. Because God's not going to, like, nitpick. Now, there are going to be rewards and all that, but, but I can promise you nobody's going to be disappointed. Crime rate will be zero. And those who want to defund the police now need to go to heaven because there won't be any cops because there won't be any need. But quite frankly, I'm a defender of the blue, just so you'll know. Matter of fact, I told some cops in Florida one time, I said, wouldn't it be cool? There were about four of them, and I, I, I just respect law enforcement. I don't care. I know that some of y'all hate them, and that's your problem, and they're not all bad, Okay. And so I, I just decided, I told them when I got up, to, I said, I want to pay for their meal. And I said, guys, thank you for all you do. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if everybody who wanted to defund you, you had their name, and when they called for your help, you didn't go? 
sorry, you didn't want us, so take care of that burglar yourself. I, it's a gift today. I'm irritating everybody. <laughs> We're not talking about things we ought to be talking about. All the left is talking about all the stuff we ought to be talking about and saying you're crazy. I'm just telling you, don't put everybody in the same pile. There are good folks everywhere in every profession doing good things. My dad had a policy. If I got a spanking at school, he didn't go get on to the teacher. He spanked me at home and said, you probably needed it. I said, but Dad, I didn't do anything. I wasn't the one talking. That's ah, all right. They missed it before when you did do something. <laughs> Nowadays, a parent goes to school. You said, you told my child they had to sit out for an hour. You're going to hurt them. No, they need to be hurt in order to understand if you don't get the belt, you'll get the baton. I don't think I can use either one of these services today online. I... Listen, the problem with our world right now is that, well, I'm not going to go there. Let me just, uh... <laughs> that'd take too long. I'm right coming to the. The grace of God refers to the unmerited favor and kindness that God extends to humanity. It's often seen as divine gift that is freely given, not earned through our own efforts. It is an expression of God's love and mercy towards us despite our flaws and shortcomings. Acquiring, accepting, receiving the grace of God involves a personal and spiritual journey. While we cannot earn it through our actions alone, there are ways we can open ourselves to receive God's grace. And I'm going to give you some of those. And if you want to write these down, these will help. There's a little bit of a teaching thing going here. I'm going from, you know, ranting, soapbox. Thank you. Number one, faith and belief. Trusting in God's love, mercy, and forgiveness and believing in the power of his grace to transform our lives. Faith and belief. Paul said that whatever's not of faith is sin. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is critical. So God will give you the grace you need to exercise the faith you need to have. Remember I said grace empowers? Grace empowers us to exercise faith. So you need to ask yourself the question, what am I exercising faith for? Just stop just a moment because most of you, 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 you'd have to really think. I, I know I've got some things I'm exercising faith for. Okay? and Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what are you having faith for? Ask yourself that question. Number two, repentance and humility are practices that draw us into God's grace. Recognizing our faults, seeking forgiveness for our mistakes, and approaching God with a humble heart, ready to turn away from wrongdoing. You see what I'm saying? You have the grace to cover, but now you receive the grace to empower you to walk in humility. Number three, Prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation. And, and these, come, these look different because I want to say this to you. Uh, prayer is uh, very vital, but how we pray, how often we pray, how long we pray, 
that becomes the argument in many circles of Christianity. Now, you know, we, we've often used Jesus went away, could, and he asked the disciples, could you not tarry for an hour? Well, I don't think the time component there was the most critical. I don't think that was what Jesus was focused. He said, I'm going to be here an hour. Could you not wait for one hour? I don't think that becomes the, the legalistic approach to prayer because another passage says pray without ceasing. Now, that becomes a bigger standard for me than could you not tarry an hour. So to me, prayer is something we do all day long. I don't know how many of you say, well, you know, one-minute prayer is not going to move God. You're right. A five-second prayer might. No, I'm just saying, I want, I, listen, I used to be a Christian Pharisee, modern day. If, if we wore the same kind of clothes, I would have had pharisaical robes on. Because I got up every morning at 5 a.m. and I prayed for an hour. Well, I take that back, 30 minutes, and I slept for 30. And I drooled another five. Because who gets up at 5 a.m.? I mean, I'm at 5 a.m., I'm mean, oh, God. And, you know, I started out really well. I had a really strong start. But my finish really lagged. There are times I wake up and I'm, was I praying? What time is it? You know. And I, I really, I, but, but every, I let everybody know I got up at 5. I, I was using my prayer time with God as a badge to tell everybody else, if you're not up at 5 a.m. praying, you're probably barely saved. I outgrew that finally because I realized that God was awake like 24 hours a day. He's, he's awake all the time. And it wasn't like God needed me to be up at 5 going, okay, Mark, I got a golf time. I got a tea time at 7. Get this done. It was like, no, I, I could pray all day long throughout the day, driving, in the shower, sitting down, thinking, whatever, praying, God, please. I got a call last night, a text last night from a pastor friend in Texas. And uh, I won't give you the details, but he said, it's going down right now. Please pray. Susan and I right there, sitting, getting ready to eat, said a prayer for my friend. It wasn't 10 minutes. It wasn't intercession. Why? Because I'm looking at food going, I love you, but I need to eat. And it wasn't like God needed me to just really beseech him in that moment or intercede. It was like, Lord Jesus, help my friend. He's going through a very difficult time. Right now, and I'm, I'm, I am asking you, along with him, I'm two or more agree. He didn't say two or more intercede for an hour. Two or more agree. I said, I agree with my friend that you won't get him through this. And, and so what I, I'm not discounting. I love it. If you want to pray for three hours, just make sure 30 minutes of that belongs to my name. I love it if you pray three hours, but please call my name out for at least 30 minutes, okay? I'll applaud you. I'll be thankful for you. If you must do that, include your pastor. Thank you. Because some of y'all go, after every Sunday service, he really does need prayer. So prayer and meditation. And, and listen, I, 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 this, I got set free. I went to this conference, and I wish I had the notes, but it was like there were like seven different ways that there are people who are outdoor people. And when you step out, I'm one of those. If you step, put me, if I had to be in an office, I'd be insane. I, I'm, when I go outside, I experience God. And I'm not talking, I'm not being a weirdo. I'm just saying that's where I connect with God. 
That's where I have my best experience with God. Now, some of y'all have a great experience with God in your closet. You, you want to be alone. You want to be secluded. And some of you experience God as you're worshiping or listening to worship in your house. You're having that time with God. And you, and you call it worship, but you could also call it prayer because you're communing with God. You see what I'm saying? It's not about, as a matter of fact, one time when I was in my darkest hour, I'm, I'm, I'm up at 3 a.m. and I'm spending eight hours with God every day. I'm going through all this stuff, and, and I'm praying in God literally. And, and don't think poorly of God when I say this. He said, would you be quiet? He said, why don't you let me do the talking? That's all you're doing. And, you know, it set me free because I just thought I'm going to sit here and listen for God. I didn't have to. It's like you don't think God knows everything you're thinking. He knows it anyway. So sometimes you say, God, you know what I'm thinking. Talk to me. That's prayer. God, talk to me. God, impress me. God, address me. Do something. I'll receive that gift of knowledge and wisdom and whatever revelation that you have. God, I receive. I receive. I receive your wisdom. I receive a word from you. I receive your direction. I receive your counsel. I always thought I had to convince God. I was like marketing Mark. Okay, God, here's what I need and here's how I need it. And here's when I want it done. And, and I need it this way. And I know I just want to convince you, God, that I really do need this. Okay, are you hearing me now? If I'm God, I'd smite half the earth. You would too. You'd be like, I'm done. What? We treat God so human, so natural, and he's supernatural. He knows every thought. He, he, he's, he's wanting to give to you. He's wanting you to receive. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to plea with him. You simply say, God, I love you so much. Here are the things going on in my life, and I'm inviting you into my crisis. I'm inviting you into my pain. I'm inviting, I'm receiving you into my situation right now. Because that's all God's looking for is an invitation. That's when you get saved, he's saying, would you invite me into your heart? Would you, would you invite me in? Because if you invite me in, I'm there. I'm standing. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. My knuckles are bleeding. I'm waiting on you to receive me. It's not like you're going and knocking on God. Bam, 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 bam. Let me in. God's going, what's the password? For scripture study, every morning, if you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, every morning you're going to get a scripture from me 90% of the time unless I oversleep and forget. I'm capable of that. But I don't post a lot, and I tell Susan I don't even like social media. I mean, it's okay every now and then I find out stuff I wouldn't have known, but I, I really don't like it, and I don't try to put my personal life. I don't take pictures of what I'm eating. Look, snap, snap. You can get mad at me if you want. I just think it's funny that you do that. Please don't get mad at me. Just say he just doesn't get it. And you're right, I don't. I don't get it. Or, you know, you, you got your, you're sitting by the pool with your toes. I don't care about your toes. You think that's cute. You got people taking little feet pictures all summer long. Look, snap, snap. What I'm going to say is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on Facebook. So I'm like, you need a pedicure. 
Okay, now that I've irritated another third of the crowd, let me see if I can finish off. But I put a scripture on almost every morning because that's the first thing I look at when I wake up is I go to the Bible and I engage with the Word of God. I don't read it for an hour, but I'm engaging. I'm, I'm going through scripture. I'm finding something that might help me and you throughout the day. I want to do something different. I haven't been released to. I said, God, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? Wouldn't it be cool if I did that? It's like I just keep going back to his word is what we cling to. Then lastly, acts of compassion and love, reflecting God's grace in our own lives by showing kindness, again, showing forgiveness, love towards others, just as we have received from God. Remember, the experiences of God's grace is deeply personal and unique to each individual. It's a lifelong journey of seeking and growing in our relationship with him. Don't make Christianity boring. Don't make it hard. Don't make it arduous. Don't do that. It takes away all the joy of of having a relationship with a God who loves us so incredibly that we can never even fathom it with our finite minds. And if you think you love anybody on this earth, I mean, whoever it might be, and you think you're crazy about them and you just love them and you can't imagine life without them, God has so much more love than that that we can't even put words to it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for (laughs) your incredible patience with us. That your grace is not just simply sufficient. It's amazing. And Lord, we don't ever want to take it for granted. And we don't want to ever think for one minute that we can contribute to your perfect grace. All we can do is receive it. And I pray for those watching now that have beat themselves up for so long. I'm not good enough. I'm this, I'm that, I'm not this, I'm not that. How could God possibly love me and extend grace to me? I pray that that's all wiped clean and we understand that you're holding grace out, that wonderful gift of grace today to anyone and everyone. And all you're wanting us to do is receive it. Not work for it, not earn it, but receive it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want all of us to pray this prayer today and those of you watching online, Salvation is a gift. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. It is a free gift from God. All you have to do is receive it. And you receive it by calling on His name, humbly acknowledging that you need to receive it and accept Him. So I want everyone to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am saved by grace. Amen. If you prayed that prayer online, watching online, please text the word saved to 405-500-1310. Put your name there. And those of you in-house, if you do the same thing, just text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310.
in just a moment, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. And if you prayed that while you're here, please go visit them and say, today I gave my life to Jesus. Would you all keep praying for me? And they will say, absolutely. We have a wonderful prayer team. And Connie and Marshall Mungle lead that prayer team. And I'm going to promise you something. These people will pray for you without you even asking. And their team is right there with you. So do, do that if you would, please. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.